Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of View from the Middle. I'm just coming off the tailwinds of two great social events that Dominate put on, where both the students and instructors hang out in a casual setting uh, just as peers. So the first, we drank alcoholic kombucha at Junshsein in Santa Monica, uh, which I argue fits the theme of a healthy, fun lifestyle that Dominate is encouraging. And the second, which I claim is also healthy because I was in the sun getting my vitamin D, was day drinking on the rooftop of Hotel Irwin in Venice Beach during Pride, enjoying some pretty incredible 360 views of LA and very delicious, and I have to say well done, frozen cocktails. And I think it's really special that a workout class can engender such a feeling of community, not just between the students, but also the instructors. And this is something Eddie and I spoke about at the end of our interview, which unfortunately was not captured on tape, thanks to the brilliant decision of a certain podcasting platform owned by a certain music streaming company to stop recording after an hour. So you can earn a commission if you give them a shout out during the episode. And I wonder if this uh, still fits the bill. So I was telling Eddie how much I enjoyed not just the workouts, but also the vibe and the sense of community and the fact that going to dominate got me outdoors and that this was particularly meaningful for a lot of us during uh, the height of quarantine. And Eddie was telling me this really touching story of how during Christmas, he got these cards from these students, and one that really stood out was a lady who told him that she was in a very dark place and that she credits Dominate from keeping her from making what would otherwise be an irreversible decision. And I think that's really beautiful and special that a workout class could be so powerful and be so positive in everybody's life. And that's a large motivation of why I continue to work out with them and enjoy it. So let's dive into the interview with Eddie. Okay. Uh, Eddie Roche, All welcome. Right. We are sitting on a hillside in Santa Monica, close to yeah. close to the Dominate Workout um, Extravaganza. And yeah, thanks for joining me today. That's it. Thanks for having me, Zeb. I'm very glad to be with you. So I um, so my, my intro to Dominate was probably like a lot of people where I'm taking a run on the boardwalk and like everybody else, I kind of stop and look at these people working out with uh, folks kind of yelling at them. I'm like, is this a hit class? Like, what's going on? And what's this? I was pronouncing it Demonate. Right. D-M-N-8. And I was like, well, I was kind of looking for stuff like this. So screw it. Why don't I sign up for a class and see what's going on? And I went to the first class and Sam was my instructor. And I came out and it was like, friendly crew. I really like this. And I came to another one and another one. And then I purchased a giant class pack. And here I am. And so, you know, I'm a big fan and it's uh, even just from the outset, I could kind of see what was happening. And then as we spoke, I realized there was something much bigger at play. So thanks for joining me on the podcast and let's uh, let's figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a pleasure to be here, Zeev. And thanks for your support. And we love having you in the community. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and by the way, listeners, I actually invited the entire Dominate crew to my to my birthday party. That's how much I love them. <laughs> we, yeah. Just to give you a sense of like... Yeah, they had a great time as well, I'm told. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. <laughs> well, well I, well, I definitely plan on throwing another one. So right on. I'll be there. 2.0 will be even better. Cool. Um, so I want to start actually with your background because you actually had a pretty 
Um, I want to use this term lightly, but technically, were you a high school dropout? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I precisely was. Yeah, I. Uh, long story short, uh, my family moved to America when I was sort of in middle school. Um, I took ninth grade here in the States, and then I, I quickly um, realized that school wasn't going to be for me. And uh, I was an athlete at the time, so I, I sort of dropped out under the guise of, you know, I wanted to be a pro athlete and uh, traveled all over Central America and South America playing soccer and um, yeah, never went back. <laughs> and you were, uh, so what level of soccer were you in? Like you were, tr- you were trying to get in something like um, MLS or? Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many, there's so many levels, right? When you think about a game like soccer, which is the most popular sport in the world, there's, you know, there's, there's like a hundred levels to the game, right? From the outside looking in, you think it's binary. There's amateurs and there's professionals. But there's, you know, there's so many layers between, you know, a top amateur, someone who represents their state, someone who represents their country in, on an amateur level, someone who, you know, goes and plays on some obscure fourth division professional team that you've never heard of. And then there's multiple layers all the way up to a first division team that you might watch on, you know, Sunday morning, the EPL or, or the, right, the Spanish league, the German league. So um, I, was, uh, I was never in any of the leagues that you, you know, you might be familiar with. I was, uh, I was kind of a journeyman. I was hoping to become, you know, a, a top level player. But by the time I was 18, I was still sort of trying to earn a spot on the bench at like a third division Costa Rican team, which is like, you know, it probably wasn't happening at that point. So you yeah. sort of had to, had to face the music at that age. So yeah, 18 years old, I sort of stopped playing soccer because I never really, you know, my professional career never really happened. But although yeah. the fact even at 18 that you're now like still actually being taken in by Costa Rican um, leagues is actually really impressive. Because <laughs> just the level I feel like outside of the US is so much higher. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, within the United States, it's interesting because you've got the the first division college program, but you know it, it really hasn't yet lived up to sort of some of the junior cl- like club programs in Europe. You know, I think you'd probably be better off going to a to a junior club program in Europe than you would be going to an American first division school. But you know that's changing. I think the the quality of the coaching here in the United States and the quality quality of the league and and the players is is getting stronger every year. And I think uh, soon it'll be you know competing with the European clubs. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So soccer, like 18, you said, okay, soccer's not panning out. And, mm. and then what happens? Yeah. So just to kind of give you the really quick 30 second version, I basically moved back home with mom and dad and was sort of like, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to, you know, should I go to community college? Should I like get a degree? And, uh, you know, to be honest, I went to a couple of, I went to a couple of classes at a local community college and again, sort of had that realization that, yep, no, this definitely isn't for me. And, um, so I didn't bother with the, uh, with the community college path. Instead, I, I started to turn my attention to triathlon. I actually competed in a bunch of amateur triathlons here in, in Southern California and was very competitive without much training. You know, I had a good swimming background and I love to ride my bike and obviously I'd been running my whole life. So, um, I very quickly decided that I wanted to be a professional triathlete and sort of, you know, went from one, went from being a journeyman in one sport to being a journeyman in another sport. And, uh, and just basically, you know, I, I literally just devoted myself to the sport of triathlon for four or five years. I was getting up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning and I was training all day long until, you know, 6 p.m. or later some nights and just literally training all day. And, you know, at the time, obviously had the support of my mom and dad. And then as I got older, you know, had some sponsorships and stuff, which helped. But um, again, you know, at 22 years old, I sort of had that same realization. It's like, mate, it's not happening. You know, <laughs> like, like I was very good. I was, you know, I was a solid athlete. I, was, yeah. I think I think back to what I, you know, the level of athlete I was now. And I'm like, wow, I was actually pretty good. I, <laughs> I didn't give myself credit at the time, you know, because you're yeah, always looking yeah. up as an athlete. You're always looking at the guys above you and the guys you're chasing. 
and you never really give yourself credit until years later when you're a, when you're just a regular guy and now it's like oh shit I was actually pretty good but you know I wasn't I was never going to win an Olympic gold medal I was never going to win a world title but and, I have to um, say I mean but I think that there is a lot of um, I have to give you credit to you for realizing that <laughs> and kind of actually stepping back and saying okay like I'm not just chasing this to try to become an Olympic gold athlete but sort of looking at hey, like, I think this is going to be a pretty rare possibility, so let me reconsider. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I sort of sum it up these days by, you know, I sum it up in sort of four or five words. You know, I used to be an athlete. You know, it's like, it's funny. You can you can condense sort of like 15 years of full-time commitment, passion, epic, you know, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears into one sentence. It's like, oh, so what's your background? It's like, oh, I used to be an athlete. You know, and so that's the way I sort of summarize it. And of course, you know, anyone who knows me or, or knew me back then, would um would be able to attest i was very committed i was very you know i've always been an extremist i've always been a very passionate person whatever i do i do with my whole i give it everything i've got um and i did that with my sport and i took it as far as i could and you know i was sort of 22 i wasn't making much money i was still a journeyman and i was like you know i think there's more to life for me than than just you know trying to break into the professional ranks in a sport where i clearly wasn't suited you know i wasn't as genetically gifted as some of my some of my competitors so um, so yeah, so that's when I moved on and I, I became an entrepreneur <laughs> and started a couple of companies and got my feet wet. <laughs> what, um, so walk us through, okay, so you decided, I just imagine you either, I imagine you like finishing the last leg of a triathlete, yeah. uh, triathlon and you're breathing really hard and you're like, fuck, I got to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> and, I just, and I just imagine you like... Kind of like bent over, catching your breath, and then just like looking at the horizon, like this. This is what I'm gonna do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I wish it was that easy, mate. It was, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like I struggled to find my way. My first few years as a as a businessman, if you want to call it that, you know, I started a few companies with a few buddies. Got really well. I, I really yeah. immersed myself into sort of the silicon beach sort of los angeles tech scene yeah, you know and, came and, down to santa monica and, and do you tell us what those so like what was company one yeah so 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 again just trying to keep it brief because yeah. you know each of these stories is a book in itself right but you know i started a company called timogram it was effectively a social media scheduling tool kind of like pre hootsuite pre buffer we enabled small businesses and social media influencers to schedule their posts to instagram and that was really novel at the time you know it was really exciting obviously it's it's, it's something that's been done a hundred times now um I uh, started a company called Fashion Tat, co-founded a company with, with four others or three others and um, it was effectively a photo sharing app where you could tag the products in the images and then people who followed you could tap those tagged items and shop the images. So you could effectively like monetize your social following. If you were a top brand or a blogger, you could post your photos across from Instagram onto our platform and then incentivize, you were incentivized to bring your followers with you because they could shop the photos. So it was again pre, you know, Instagram is basically, it's a shoppable, it has shoppable Instagram now is, is now a thing. Yep. Um, which is funny because when we used to pitch this to VCs, like the whole time they were like, well, what's stopping Instagram from doing this, you know? And of course, you know, they finally got there, but it took them, took them a few years. You know, this was several years ago. <laughs> so, um, so that was, you know, a couple of things I'd point to. I did, you know, four or five other projects um, with varying success and I was sort of involved in varying capacities with all these different startups. But, you know, more or less, I'd, the way of summarizing is, you know, I spent, t- I spent 10 years really understanding um, technology, finance, kind of business, what are the new opportunities? Um, uh, mostly consumer stuff, you know, I was always focused on consumer stuff. Um, and then I ran sales at a big CPG company and sort of did door-to-door sales for a brief stint. Um, so, you know, I was sort of, I was a bit of a journeyman, you know, kind of similar to my athletic days. I was just doing a bit of this, bit of that and trying to figure out, you know, what my, what my path was. I see. Yeah. Yes. I see a trend here. And I, yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, we discussed this of, um, 
I, I, the term high school dropout is a bit, can be a bit derogatory, but I actually, in this case, <laughs> use it as praise because I'm like, you know, for me, having gone to grad school multiple times, yeah. I'm, I actually think what you did um, as an athlete and mm-hmm. kind of all the intention, uh, dedication, and obviously intelligence that you brought to each part of, whereas in, you're doing it without a degree. Mm. And I think for all the listeners out there, like for me, I knew a degree, sure, you, you learn some, but mm. it's almost more of a credential to show people, hey, <laughs> I'm smart. Right. And so I'm actually really impressed by all you were able to pull off without even a college degree. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, Zeev. You know, people, you know, we talk about this word education, but I would challenge, you know, I think you go to college really to get accreditation, yep. right? And it's like, that's great. For most people, I think that's probably the right path. But, you know, I think it's it's more commonly agreed now. Like, it's, it's sort of common wisdom now that that path isn't for everybody. Yep. Um, and for myself in particular, you know, from a very young age, I was always very single-minded, like, to a fault was very, very stubborn and, and very, you know, um, thought for myself and I could never be told one way or another on any issues, you know, and I think my dad, you know, he sort of saw that in me and he probably saw a bit of himself because my father was a successful businessman, at, you know, back in the day and he, um, cool. and he, uh, you know, he, he didn't go to college either, you know, he was always oh, nice. sort of just doing his own thing. So I think mum and dad, when they saw me, you know, developing those sorts of um, tendencies and characteristics, they were, um, they weren't as panicked as some other parents may be. You know, they, all, they always sort of supported me in whatever it was I wanted to do, even if it was a bit outlandish. Um, but, you know. It so. sounds like it. you think it helped keep you, let's say, like, gave you that comfort to feel, like, more safe in what you were doing? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think, I don't know if it would have taken that, to be honest. I always think I was always sort of, um, again, to a fault, quite confident in whatever I was doing, you know, even irrational, maybe irrational, conf- I'm rationally confident. Um but uh, that's just, you know, that's just how I am. And that's just the way I've been since a, since a very young age. So, you know, I think those characteristics probably lend themselves to, to starting a company because you do sort of have to be, a, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, you have exactly. to be an optimist. You have to be, you Exactly. Know. I think that's actually uh, one of the top qualities people want to see in a CEO. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably, I was irrationally uh, pessimistic, so. Yeah. Yeah, it. that's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's... Um, I don't know. I, I always, I never really questioned myself. I, I had plenty of people around me questioning me the whole time, you know, including some of my closest friends, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, it's never bothered me. I've always known that I would figure it out. Cause I just, you know, when I set my mind something and I, I know I don't, I'm never going to stop sort of thing. So, you know, I've always just been a confident kid, I guess that's one word I would use to describe. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. So what happened? Um, so you got all these businesses and is this where Dominate started? Yeah, so so make to, to make a long story short, you know, I was doing this, I was doing that, I was doing sales here, I was doing, you know, starting a tech company, I was, you know, there were a few projects I didn't even mention which were like, you know, several months each. Um, and I kind of felt like I was just clutching at straws. You know, there was there was a point in my, in my, um, in my upbringing where towards my late teenage years, early 20s, my, my parents, my whole family fell upon some financial distress, mm-hmm. sort of that 08 era where, you know, it happened to so many people around that time. And um, my family, unfortunately, just, you know, we lost our home and my parents went into bankruptcy and it was a very stressful, traumatic experience. So I think that was really informative for me, Zeev, because, you know, I was 22 and that was when I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm done with all this athlete stuff. I need to start making some money. I need to start pulling my weight. And so that's what really led me down this path where I was very, very desperate and aggressive in my career. I was very aggressive in the sense that if something didn't have a clear path to making me a multimillionaire in like, you know, 24 months or less, <laughs> then I wouldn't do it. So it's like, and, and, and it's probably unfortunate because, you know, I probably missed some great opportunities, but 
Um, you know, I was just focused on doing my own thing, doing something that could, you know, get rich quick scheme, so to speak, right? But do and, you think, um, um, I mean, to, to push back on that, yeah. I want to say that there are a few people who do get rich quick, but it's yeah. kind of like a slow burn until at some point it, it, yeah. it booms up. Yeah, yeah, no, trust me. And yeah, and, and certainly being in this tech environment, like being out here in Santa Monica, you know, I mean, I'm sure you would, you know, you just meet all these kids where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I had this idea and then next minute, you know, they're worth $20 million. It's like, what the hell? Like, you know, so it's like trying to replicate those yeah. um, outlier results, which is, yep. you know, truth be told, those people are the exception, not the rule, right? Which is so, um, I mean, but we're all like, oh, they did it, and yeah, you can only... I'll do it too. <laughs> yeah, we all have these, like, you know, uh, fallacies, psychological biases. We're like, okay, cool, like, that man, like, that dude is bought out uh, after, like, six months and, yeah. like, no product, so... A hundred percent, mate, exactly. And so for my whole 20s, I was sort of very frustrated running around, you know, surrounded by all these wildly successful kids and, and trying to do what they were doing. But I think eventually what I did is I took a big step back around 26, 27, where I was, like, on my 10th you know, venture of whatever kind. And I took my big step back and I realized like, hey, instead of focusing on like, you know, what's the next opportunity that I want to throw myself at, you know, at 100 miles per hour, why don't I stop and think about what actually makes me happy and what am I actually passionate about? You know, which is like so romantic and so um, cheesy, but it's so, so valuable. You know, I would encourage everybody in their in their 20s, 30s, wherever they are in their life, if they're not happy, I would encourage them to go through this this exercise, you know, figure out what is it that you do for the next 10 years if you knew that you were going to fail. You know, because I went into everything I was doing in my 20s assuming that I was going to be successful. I was like, I can't, I can't be stopped. No one's going to outwork me. I've got this, I, you know. And, and then, of course, it was failure after failure after failure. And I sort of had to ask myself, like, hey, dude, what if you never succeed? What if you never become a billionaire? What if it actually never happens? Like, what do you want to spend the next 10, 20, 30 years doing if it doesn't work out? And then I realized, like, hey, I should focus on fitness because I love fitness. Like I love fitness more than anyone. I'm so passionate about fitness, wellness, health, the outdoors. And so when I made that shift and I started focusing on, you know, I said, let's just build a personal training company, right? Like don't, stop trying to build some app that's going to be a billion dollar app into just build a personal training company, right? Which to me seemed like relatively straightforward compared with some of my other audacious attempts at success. So, um, so that's what I did. And after six months, you know, I'm sitting there and I have this personal training business that's doing really well and I'm making money and I'm doing what I love and I'm helping people and I'm putting smiles on faces. And I'm like, shit, I should have done this when I was 18. What the, <laughs> what the fuck? Spit out, spit out, I didn't yeah. need to go through 10 years of fucking heart-wrenching ups and downs and roller coasters trying to build somebody else's passion project when I could have just done what I loved on day one and I'm making good money. And, you know, so that was sort of the epitome I had at 28. And, uh, and after six months of running my personal training company, that's when I started to think, okay, so I've got some cash flow, you know, I've got an apartment, I'm no longer living in my car. Like, what's like, you know, what's the next step? How can I build something a little bit more scalable? And so I started a company that's called Next Level Meals. It's an organic health food meal delivery company. Myself and my partner, Rafi, he's a, he's an absolute, um, He's a world-class chef and um, he owns a restaurant. So we, um, we use his facilities and I do all the marketing sales and we are partners. And yeah, we run uh, Next Level Meals, which has now grown to become one of LA's top organic meal delivery services. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, that's going really well. And then, you know, again, I had that same thing sort of six months into that, after that was growing and, you know, we started to delegate away some of the core, you know, action items every week. Um, I said, what's the next thing? What can I do that's more leveraged, like, you know, something a little bit more scalable? Um, and so that's when I started to turn my attention to group fitness, Steve. And I thought a lot about what are the opportunities in fitness and particularly what are the opportunities on the intersection of, of fitness and technology. And can I, so the personal training business you had, was that 
Um, did it just start with you training clients one by one or what, like, how yeah, did that go? mate, that's exactly right. I was literally, I was living with my girlfriend at the time and my best mate and, uh, like, bartending nights and weekends just trying to make ends meet. You know, I had, like, tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt from my early ventures in my 20s. And so I'm just kind of, like, bartending, trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to start my personal training company. And I was just inviting people into my buddy's garage. And uh, it's so funny, my friend actually, he had a bunch of workout equipment in his garage, which my, uh, my parents had given him when they lost their house. Oh. So it was funny, it was actually my parents' old workout equipment. <laughs> and I had like clients coming to my friend's garage and he was like letting me basically do it just out of the kindness of his heart. And so that was my first client. But you know, it grew that's quickly. True, well, like, hey, that's the true entrepreneur story, right? It literally, yeah. literally out of a garage. Literally, my friend's garage, yeah. And um, you know, eventually I saved up enough to get a little mini membership at like a local gym where they let you bring your, your own clients. And I just organically grew it myself. You know, I think if you're a good person and you, and you know what you're doing, um, you know, and you, and you love what you do, I think, you know, just a, a service like that where you're, you know, something as simple as leading, guiding someone through a workout, guiding them through a diet, helping them lose weight. Um, it's pretty straightforward and it's really gratifying. I would encourage, I would encourage any uh, young former athletes out there who are struggling to find their way. I would encourage them to do it as a part, just as a part-time gig on the side, you know, just to earn some extra cash. It's a great living. Even just to, you know, make yourself feel good and helpful. I mean, that's it, mate. Like if you can make money and, and, you know, somehow add value to other people's lives and do something that's, that's good for them and, you know, is improving their lives. It's the gratification is worth more than the money, you know, or, or at least as much. So I it's mean, money, important. money is a tool and it's a tool that hopefully is used to make you feel good. So, mm. yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So. Uh, okay, so we got the personal training business. Yeah, we have next level meals, which I have not yet tried, but yeah. obviously now. Oh, mate, we gotta get you some I, meals. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you some food, mate. I'll okay, get you yeah. some food on Sunday. I'll get the boys to drop off some uh, I, some delicacies. We've I got would, all kinds I, of good I stuff. would love that. <laughs> I actually don't eat lunch, so I'm like now I'm all your salad. I'm all your salad. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got next level meals. We have the personal training. So then, what um, what's coming next? Yeah. So basically, mate, I, I had this. Um, I had a bit of time to sort of think about, you know, what's what's the big idea? Like, you know, I still have ambitions to build something really big, something that's going to impact the world, something that leverages technology. Um, and so I did some thinking and eventually, you know, it came to me. I was just sitting there having lunch one day at Erewhon here in Venice. Yes, and, um, Erewhon. And I just had this vision of like, hey, group fitness, right? Like boutique fitness is this like multi-billion dollar booming market. Um, but nobody's doing boutique like group fitness outside. No one's doing it outdoors. And I thought, you know, there are all these beautiful beaches, parks, open spaces, like littered all throughout Southern California and, and the United States as a whole. And wouldn't it be cool if you could take like the Barry's Boot Camp experience or the Soul Cycle experience or, you know, pick pick any one of the Orange Theory experience and uh, and replicate it out in a beautiful park under the sunshine where you can hear the birds chirping, you can feel the ocean breeze on your face, you know, and it's like that to me just seemed like a really special, really in, uh, kind of magical idea. And so I just did some math and I got, you know, got in touch with the city, figured out the permits, figured out the liabilities and, um, and I did it. And I launched my first outdoor workout, um, on a Saturday morning in like December, 2019, which was, you know, four months before the coronavirus pandemic. But, um, you know, after six weeks, Eve, after my first workout, I think after literally six weeks, we had like 150 people 
on a Saturday morning. Showing up to a class? It was, it was a vibe, dude. Like, this thing blew up. Like, people were just loving it every week because I was just reinvesting every single dollar back into equipment. So it would be like, first we were there, had dumbbells, then we had dumbbells and pull-up bars, then we had oh, kettlebells, wow. then we had resistance bands, we were doing slam balls, like, we were doing sprints. And it was just kind of this thing that kept growing and growing and growing. People were bringing their friends. It was kind of like a social, yep. kind of social thing. So um, made it happen very organically and it happened... Um, it was a really fun time in, in my life. It was really exciting. And, um, you know, I thought I sort of validated my thesis that, hey, you could do this cool outdoor boutique fitness experience. Um, and I think, you know, with the right sort of execution, you can actually scale it as well. Um, and, you know, there's an app that we're building and all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, um, so we had talked about this before, too. And it's something that um, you had mentioned, actually, it, it seemed that way, but wasn't the case where... So I, I moved to LA last year. Mm. Um, when I came across you guys, it was deep pandemic. I mean, there wasn't even outdoor dining. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember coming across Dominate. I'm like, oh, sweet. What an awesome business model. You're basically, what, just from what I thought, is like essentially getting like free space, <laughs> yep. very little overhead. Um, and I'm like, man, their business must have really boomed yeah. since all the gyms are closed down. But you told me that actually was not necessarily the case yeah that's right you know a common misconception is that our business dominate which is outdoor group workouts like blew up during coronavirus right yep. we and and some people seem to believe that we um became popular due to right or due to in part um you know the, the lockdowns and the restrictions and the other gyms shutting down um unfortunately like i can see why people think that but no I, actually that's not the case you know when we first when we first got news about the coronavirus we shut down just like everyone else um and then we were locked down you know there was no gatherings of any kind for some number of months yep. um and so when we first were allowed to go outside and gather it was literally just me doing one-on-one -on -one oh, wow. personal training sessions yeah and then it was like you know then it was one on three or one on two and then it was one on five and you know, it was many, many months before we actually scaled back to any group workout of any kind. And even at that point, when we first were allowed, I think it was 10 people was when they first said, hey, you can have a group of 10. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not like... You go from 150 to 1 or 10. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, the that's business model falls apart. Yep. You know, it's, it was not a business at that point. At that point, it's just a service that we're doing for people because we love it and we want to keep the community, you know, we want to keep smiles on faces. We want to keep people engaged. Um, but you know, you, we weren't making money, you know, how do you make money when you got 10 people paying, you know, at the time, 10 bucks, um, you know, this was early days, so we hadn't even figured out our pricing and stuff. So anyway, the whole idea is, uh, it wasn't until sort of November of 2020 that the restrictions eased to a point where we were now able to have like, you know, 15, 20 people, I think it was in the workouts. And, um, yep. and, uh, and that's when we really got organized and started to, uh, I think grow back to the point that we were pre-pandemic. So, you know, there's a huge like 11 month period there where it was stagnant, just like everyone oh, else. Oh, really? Where, okay, so, because the, let's see, so March 2020, mm. and then, um, and by that point you had had, what, what, what was your customer base? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I should know that for, uh, for sure, but November is basically when we started um, tracking into new territory. Oh, like right? you, in terms you kind of, of cumulative okay, attendance. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, November 2020, I think that was, you probably on the scene by then, right, Steve? Just about, yeah. Yeah, I think so, just I mean, it was a vibe, right? At that point, we had, like, groups of 20. We were yeah, turning yeah, over yeah. classes. It was fun. So that was the first time it felt like, hey, this is, the community's back. You know, we're back where we were before the pandemic. And, um, and you know, unfortunately, in December, we had the second stay-at-home order or restrictions. And, um, did that have you an know, impact? It did, yeah. Okay. We took a big step back again. You know, everything went, dropped by 30%. Mm -hmm. Um 
but you know, just like everybody else in the in the pandemic, we've we've just had to adapt and we've had to be really lean and be really resourceful. Um, and uh, you know, we're very very grateful, Zeev. I've got buddies in the in the industry who they've they've lost everything. You know, and the fitness industry has just been decimated. Like people, yeah, sure. especially the mum and pops. You know, if you don't have a deep reserve of capital, yeah, you should have a luck. Like it's like you know, it's really sad the way people have just lost everything. Um, and honestly, I don't, and I don't see a recovery happening for them, at least not a, no, a strong one. No, unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation. And, you know, for us, we're just grateful that, you know, we didn't have to lay anyone off. We didn't have to, um, you know, I mean, we never got any PPP or EIDL or anything. We weren't eligible because we were such a, a young company. Hmm. Um, we didn't have any revenue to point to the year before that we could sort of say, oh, we lost revenue. So, but, you know, all that to say, mate, I'm just grateful that we are where we are. You know, it could be much worse. We could have nothing at all. We could have lost a gym. You know, maybe I opened a gym three years earlier and then I'd be in a worse off position now than if I hadn't, you know, than I am today where right. I didn't open anything. So, you know, we got through it, mate, and now we're just focused on the future and um, hopefully that there'll be nothing like this again in our lifetimes. And, um, you know, we can we can begin to scale this wonderful product to communities all over the country. And, and um, you know, I wish all the... I, yeah, I just—it's it, sad. I don't know. I've got—I've got a lot to say on the matter, but <laughs> I think um, okay. So I've got a few areas, but I want to start um, quickly. And you know, we had this conversation as we're walking over to our podcast location on this hill, um, just talking about how for both of us, um, fitness—you could say it's a lifestyle. It's almost a necessity. Like we, our mental health, like quickly deteriorates, and um, it's actually I think too bad that as the pandemic felt like it was getting worse, more and more people stopped exercising, which is almost the exact opposite thing, really, mm -hmm. of, like, what everybody should be doing. Yeah, mate, exactly right. And that's what I was sort of referring to. I, I think it's really been it's really been sad and really discouraging how people have effectively been told to stay indoors, to stay inside, to not move their bodies, to not, you know, to not interact with one another. I think it's so, to me, it's counterintuitive. Obviously, it's not counterintuitive to everyone. Um, but I think it's been really, um, it's been really detrimental to the public's, uh, like, at, at large, the, the, the country's mental health and certainly physical health. I mean, people put on, you know, you hear about the quarantine 15. People are putting on weight. People are staying stagnant. People aren't moving their bodies. People aren't, you know, they're not smiling. They're not laughing. They're not going out for a walk. I mean, people are being told they can't even go for a walk out in the open. It's, 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 yep. to me, it was baffling and people are happy to, oh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm still lost <laughs> for know. words. Like all these months later, I'm still lost for words. How can you tell someone they can't go for a bloody walk in the park by themselves? It's, you know, it's what happened? Like when, where was the breakdown in, in, um, in sensibility and, um, you know, I, you know, I'm all for science, but no, there you know, was a, yeah, you and I are very much on the same page yeah. about some of the, and what's unfortunate, I mean, you know, I, I just took a, for me, what was a rational view. I'm like, I'm outside uh, by myself yeah. <laughs> or I'm passing people. There's a lot of wind. Mm. Okay. Like, am I legitimately going to get coronavirus? I'm going to wear a mask. Um, but at the end of the day, like I just, I made choices that felt right for me and I'm trying to respect the community. Mm. And on the, I think one of the saddest parts I heard, I have um, uh, a friend who's a doctor and a lot of his elderly patients now, lost the ability to walk because they stopped walking outside because of fear and now they're like wheelchair bound yeah it's, it's so upsetting you know and i think to sort of summarize you know how i feel about it all i think people and this is really the core thesis behind dominate zeev um people we are where we're tribal we you know where 
we need community around us for for our um, mental benefit like you know three things you need you need um community you need purpose and you need like physical like everybody should be and it doesn't have to be dominate right everybody yeah. should be getting outside doing a workout just doing a sweating, walk like moving your body anything anything, anything at all yeah. mate it's and it's not just about the movement it's the sunshine on your face it's the vitamin d it's the fresh air it's hearing the birds chirp it's being connected with nature you know you've uh, you know, depending on how you got this whole movement now, people are like, "What do they call it? Grounding or like earthing?" And I know nothing about it, but I just laugh when I hear about it. I'm like, I, I get where they're coming it's from. Just, I it's think just it's marketing. There, it's, just yeah. market, it's just marketing on but what was like, already the case. I'm, 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 I understand where they're coming from, though. Like, get, like going out for a run in nature's eve. You know, there's something about it, mate. I was as a triathlete. You know, I would spend as much time as I could out swimming the ocean, running on the trails, riding my mountain bike. You know, just getting out and immersing ourselves in the beautiful natural world. There's something really special and. Um, it's hard to quantify and maybe it's hard to articulate, but it's so, it's something very special. It's something for me personally, I know I need it. I need it on a regular basis. Yep. Um, and when I don't get that, I don't get that exposure to the natural elements. I don't get the sunshine. I don't get the movement, the sweat. And you know, the, the, the community, like if I don't get together with my mates and we don't laugh and you know, I start going a bit funny. I start getting depression, anxiety. I start getting dark. I start getting, you know, Same. maybe irritable. And um, you know, you can talk to millions of people. It doesn't matter what part of life, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from or who. Everybody needs community. Everybody needs a workout regimen, you know, physical yep. activity. Everybody needs some sort of way to connect with the natural world. We, you know, this future of all, f- the future of fitness is at home and like, let's all just be on screens the whole time. It's like, mate, there's a time and a place for that, but that's not, it's the that's exact, not conducive well, to Well, the funny thing is, I mean, you say you talk about I can't quantify yeah, it. I mean, exactly. I can quantify it. I, I and many other people are probably almost never going back to a gym like after yeah. experiencing Dominate. And uh, I, I mean, this is the reason we're having the podcast is I, I kind of <clears> realized, wow, there's like a lot of magic to this. I'm out in Southern California, has it's temperate, it's warm, it's sunny, we're next to the beach. There's a lot of things that allow this to happen. But obviously, I think outdoor workouts can happen still in a lot of places. But it was the com- combination of smiles, lightness, very professionally run classes, mm. but that was fun Mm. and people kept it like light but obviously knew what they're doing yeah um and kind of i think where we're going next with this is the social aspect yeah um the social aspect that you're building yeah that's right well first of all thank you for the wonderful compliments eve you know we obviously we work really hard to make the product a great product i think you know being that we are outdoors and we don't have the facilities that a lot of our competitors offer we do have to offer an excellent world-class experience. Like the workout has to be on point. The trainers have to be excellent at what they do. You know, the time we, from the moment we greet you to the moment you leave, like the whole experience has to be really top notch. Um, because otherwise people just wouldn't come. You know, there's so many wonderful fitness businesses around here, you know, it's competitive. So um, thank you for the compliment. And then, yeah, like you, like you alluded to, what we're doing now is, you know, we have memberships where people can come and they can experience our product every day and do different kinds of workouts, whether it's yoga, sculpt, um, you know, hit training, I think is where I've seen you most. Uh, yeah. we do dance cardio, we do Pilates. So we're offering a wide spectrum, a wide variety of, of fitness modalities. And then what we're really excited about is taking that community that we've built out at the park where we're all joining together to work out and, and changing the scenery or changing the venue or changing the context with which we're connecting. Right. So it's like, Hey, let's all go out for a workout on Saturday morning, get a sweat, laugh, feel the sunshine. And then let's all go out for brunch together. Right, and let's get twenty dominate people who have mem- you know join the members club, and we all go out for a, a, t- a, a, a community brunch, or we all go out to 
you know, it could be a, a private dinner party hosted at Zeeb's place, right? Or, uh, please. I mean, we're going to be Done. doing all kinds of fun stuff. We're doing a beach sunset. You know, just tomorrow we're doing service Saturday. So on the first Saturday or third Saturday, I think it is actually, on um, of every month, we do community service, right? And we, we it benefits a different um, a different charity every month. And it's a way for us to get all of our members together, put smiles on our faces, you know, show up for each other, show up for the community, do something that's that's positive, that's that's going to make us all feel good. And it gives us an opportunity to bond and to connect, which, you know, coming out of 2020, mate, you know, just <laughs> I think to, every, every, oh, I want, if you, that's what we need. I, I'd be hard for us to find a person who, um, doesn't need that. Yeah. And yeah. Re- doesn't realize that they don't need that. Exactly right, mate. So, so yeah, we're sort of, you know, we're sort of, um, we're like, we're really trying to fight back against all the, um, all the all the trends right all the trends are let's go indoors let's stay isolated let's just you know let's connect on the phone let's do a zoom call let's do a zoom workout and i think that's fine and i think those those tools serve a wonderful purpose and they're very powerful tools and they are needed um but you know it's 2021 now 2020 is over and you know the sun is shining it's summertime everyone's vaccinated let's all go out let's smile let's laugh let's get together let's do some community service let's get fit and let's try and reverse some of these really negative trends. You know, I think it's time. And so we want to sort of, we want to spearhead that effort, you know, with Dominic. <laughs> I, you have, I'm signed. I'm the first person in line, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's, um, I want to, let's dive into some revenues here. So cool. I'm guessing right now the majority of your business is coming from uh, memberships, basically people buying classes Yep. for fitness. And what, um, as far as I understand, the costs are obviously the people. Sure. And can you give me a breakdown of like, is is it kind of the people cost versus mm-hmm. um, is permitting actually a pretty significant? Yeah. So so look for for outdoor workouts, the the permits and the, the insurance and whatnot. That's a small fraction of our costs. Okay. Um, you know, it's far less obviously than if we were to go and open a gym on Main Street here in Santa Monica. It's it's only a fraction of what we'd pay for a for a four wall facility. Yep. Um, so what do we do with all of that? That, that margin. Well, what we do is we actually reinvest in our staff and our people. See, a lot of the um, when I look at the fitness industry, and this is this is sort of goes back to that that epiphany I had, you know, back in um, many years prior in uh, at Erewhon when I was thinking about what are the opportunities. I've realised, Eve, that in the fitness industry in general, you've got um, you've got basically a, a, a huge contingent of extremely charismatic, talented, like. I mean, there's so much X factor, charisma, um, these trainers, right? These young trainers, they are, in my eyes, they are the product, right? When you talk to, cause I interviewed hundreds of people who go to different gyms and I asked them, well, why do you go to this gym and not that gym? And why do you go to that class and not that class? And it comes, you get the same answer and over and over and over. People go to the classes for the trainers. People huh. go to the gym for the trainers, you yeah. know, and generally, not always, but generally speaking. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I realized, wow, these trainers, you know, they sure are an important component to these business models. And and yet they're so undervalued, you know, and it really rubbed me the wrong way because I was a trainer and I was, you know, I've always sort of, I was the little guy for the first 10 years of my, of my career. And I worked in gyms where, you know, I'd be filling the room with thousands of dollars of revenue and I'd only get, you know, 35 bucks for the hour or 40 bucks for the hour and uh, before taxes. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like you could barely pay a bloody phone bill working 20 hours a week in a gym. And, yep. you know, and you only have to, you know, basic arithmetic to figure out, you know, kind of 
who, how much money has been generated. So I saw an opportunity, Zeeve, to think about compensation differently. And so what we do at Dominate is we actually do revenue sharing with our trainers where every trainer gets a fee for every attendee to the class. So they actually have upside in their classes. And then on top of that, we actually give them stock options in the business. Oh, wow. So every single, um, every single um, employee at Dominate, including all of our trainers, is a, a stock option holder and they all participate in the upside. And, you know, I, I'm really trying to create an opportunity for them all to have careers as opposed to, you know, side hustles. And, um, you know, as, as wonderful and, and altruistic as that sounds, it's also, it's a competitive edge because now we're getting all the best trainers in town. You know, they all talk, they're all hitting me up going, Hey, sounds like <laughs> yeah, you've got a uh, deal. Like I want to come work at Dominate. Yeah. Like, can I, can I, uh, not get paid like shit yeah. and actually have a good time and right? work with cool people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, everyone's having fun. They're making double yep. what I'm making and, and they've got stock options like, and you're growing fast. Like, so you know, it's been a really wonderful thing to see um, the trainers appreciate that and reciprocate. You know, we've got a wonderful team of loyal trainers and they're all really the best in the business at what they do. What um, do you, um, I, just to, I just want to court, to confirm this point. Sure. I mean, I am very, everybody I meet is lovely, mm. friendly. I feel very welcome. Mm. It's actually a very impressive staff. Oh, like you. And thank it's, you. it is, it's, it's funny how all the work that goes on behind the scenes. Cause I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. They're just like a friendly group of people that I didn't realize how um, much curation actually went on to create that culture. Sure. Absolutely, mate. Well, you know, being a part of all the startups that I was early in my days, I learned, I learned, I really got a crash course over and over and over in, in how to start a startup. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned very early on that every single hiring decision is just, especially in the early days, like the earlier, the more, the earlier it is in the, in the company's life cycle, the more important each hiring decision is. And, and, you know, the more impactful each hiring decision will have on the culture. And so, you know, it started with me and, um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it other than I, I took it very, very seriously, you know, and I, I, I made sure that everyone was a fit on values and we, you know, our core values is like the first thing we talk about and, you know, get to know people. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, it's just, it's, you know, having that judgment around who is actually, who's actually the real deal and who actually cares about everyone, you know, cause anyone can smile and be polite, right? Everyone's a good guy when you first meet them. Sure. Yeah. But, but who can do it after like working 10 hours after yeah. doing a bunch of like you're hungry, you're grumpy. That's it, mate. You yep. mean, you've got to identify, especially in this business, you've got to identify people who actually love others, people who yep. actually view their job as a service. You know, it's like, we're all here to make money. Of course, we've got to make money to pay the rent and whatever, but we've got a team of, you know, 25 and growing people who actually love other people, people who genuinely care about strangers, people who actually view their job as a service to the community. And, uh, and that's the secret, you know, is like if you can identify those special people, because they are out there, you know, we've got a wonderfully talented society with a lot of uh, charismatic, beautiful people. You know, if you can find them and curate them, then yeah, you build a team like ours where, you know, people do notice the difference. They come to dominate and then at the end of the workout, you know, they either text me or if I'm there, they'll walk up to me and they'll say like, that was fucking incredible. Like what, <laughs> what, what just happened? Like that was incredible, you know? And so it's like the best hour of someone's day and we just want to give that to them every day or whatever it is, twice a week, three times a week, whenever they can make it down. Every day. Yeah. I will say, you know, at first I, I'd always dismiss this stuff as cheesy. Um, the trainer in particular I'm thinking about is Ian, where yeah. he would consistently be like, man, it's just such a blessing. Like, think of the weather. <laughs> and it could be overcast. It could be, like, windy. He's like, oh, it's just so beautiful right That's now. It. He'll basically say that about any weather. But um, That's it, mate. You know, he loves life. But We've he does, like... High on life, baby. There's a lot to, yeah, start, there's I'm a, lot to smile about. I'm a cynical, thing. like, pessimistic guy. And <laughs> I have to say, but, like, it actually gets to me. And at a certain point in the workout, I'm like, wait a minute. 
was like, you know, he has a point. Like, I can view this universe as, like, <laughs> one that's out to get me, or I can just appreciate uh, myself yeah. on planet Earth. And I have to say that their attitudes and even what they speak help me yeah. go more towards that direction. Dude, that just lights me up to hear that. Like, genuinely, that's so great, like, to hear feedback like that. You know, positive energy is so infectious. It's so contagious. And, you know, I think we live in a society where there's so much... There's so much to be upset about, to be angry about, to be anxious about, to be scared of. Um, the fact that we can that we can sw- make that like flip the switch for you yep. is beautiful, and I know we do it for hundreds of others, you know, every week. So um, I'm just incredibly grateful that. And thanks for the feedback, mate. That's that's beautiful. That's why we're here, mate. That's what we do it for. You know, it's like we even tell ourselves we all get together and we laugh and we say, oh, this and that. Here, we need to do this. We need to do that. But at the end of every meeting, we're like, how good's this? You know, we're just like, we're That's helping cool. the community and, and, you know, we're making it by. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. I'm very grateful. So how do you tell somebody's a good trainer? Like, what's the kind of audition process? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, in the interview, you're already going to be able to know based on how somebody talks about their athletic experience, like what's their relationship with fitness, right? Like if I say like, oh, okay, so what's your story? Like, were you an athlete? Were you, you know, why do you love fitness? What makes you a trainer? I mean, just in their answer, I'm going to be able to discern were they a professional athlete? Were they a college level athlete? Were they just yeah. a, just as sort of someone who likes sport, who is, you know, pretending that there was something they weren't? Or is it like, you know, like what's their relationship with sport? Are you someone who actually has done the 10,000 hours, right? Like I can pick that up in the first couple of sentences. Uh, and you can also tell by their presentation. You can tell by, you know, mm. their, their CV. They've usually sent you some sort of CV. You know, if you see that someone was on Olympic rowing team, like, you know, and like that's legit, like, okay, wow, that's immediate respect. <laughs> like this person has done their 10,000 hours, you know? Yep. And if it's just, you know, and, and there's people with less experience, but they're still a great fit, right? So there's Where people... The, that's the kind of cultural element, right? Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, look, that's the, you know, the technical aspect of being a trainer, Eve. It's only one, it's only one pillar, right? You've got to know your shit. You've got to be yep. a legit expert in the human body and anatomy and training systems and training modalities and the different energy systems and all that stuff, you know, diet, nutrition, but there's more to it than that. So how do you, I mean, just on the, uh, again, to harp on the technical aspect, like when I, okay, so I'm in class, Sure. there's the like whiteboard with the workouts I'm going to do. And now that you guys have implemented sprints, I hate you because I'm, Uh, we're uh, getting you fit, mate. You're looking good. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) It's working, dude. (laughs) It is. is, But I, I first, at first I was getting fit enough where I'm like, oh, classes feel easy. And then the sprints came and I'm like, nope. That's right, mate. We had to unfortunately hit pause on the sprints during COVID, but the sprints are back. And I think the community as a whole, (laughs) they hate us for it, but they also love us for it. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, no matter what, um, what, I think what I'm trying to understand, like in group yeah. classes, I, I feel like there's only, that's why I love privates because I have somebody looking at my every single move sure. and every nuance as to whether I'm doing something right. So in sure. a group class, like what is it that, could I just give the same program to any trainer and just as they're good at curation and moving mm. the class along or like, why do you need, why do you technically need a technical aspect if you could just say, here's the workout we're doing, just mm. walk people through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I know what you're saying. So, so you know, the, the trainer is there effectively for two reasons. One is for the energy, yep. right? They're there to coordinate the class, make sure everyone feels safe, but then obviously to provide, not just a demonstration, but to provide support, to provide encouragement, to provide high energy, to, you know, to bring the community, they're effectively the community leader right? Bringing people together, introducing everyone. So there's that side of it where they're effectively hosting the party. That's the analogy we use internally. You know, the, the trainer is hosting a party. Everyone's there for a social gathering and the trainer is the host. Hey, Zeev, have you met Gary? Oh, Gary, this is Christina. Oh, you know, hey, Em, wow, your dog looks beautiful today, whatever. You know, so there's that and that creating that energy. And the secondary to that is for safety. 
you know, the trainer is there to guide you through the workout. And the reason it's important to have a professional with a watchful eye is because they're going to be able to identify if anybody's doing something which is unsafe. You know, like a lot of the exercises we're prescribing, they're quite technical. Like, for example, a snatch or a deadlift. You yep. know, if somebody's rounding their back or they're, you know, they're in a compromised position or they're not, their footing's all off or, you know, they're, they're hyperextending something and they've got too much weight in their hand. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And I think, you know, in a, in a physical exercise environment, um, you know, it's, it's helpful to have a coach for exactly that reason, for your own safety and to make sure that you're progressing at, at the right, um, mm. you know, at the right pace and that you're exercising, like you're performing the reps at the right cadence. And there's all kinds of things that they can correct if they see any troubles. I think, tell me if this, um, okay, so I understand that aspect. And sure. It almost seems like because they have the technical confidence mm-hmm. that they're able to sort of, it's like learning how to drive. Like once you actually do it, you're going to put it in the back of your mind and I think you're better able to host. Yes. Like you have that confidence, like, of course I'm qualified to teach this workout and I can help everybody here. Absolutely. And maybe then it just opens up their mental bandwidth to then focus on keeping people like entertained and uh, motivated. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, Matt. I think, you know, imagine going to a party without a host, right? Or imagine going to a, I mean, going anywhere without a leader where there's someone to say, hey, this is a group of strangers, but everyone follow me. It's going to be okay. You know, so I think the trainers are, um, the trainers are really the heart and soul of of every workout experience. So it sounds like they get part of the reason they have that authority is because they, they do have the technical competence. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very important that they have that. I think, you know, people, people don't want to go and buy a product off of, off of someone who doesn't like deserve to sell it sort of thing, you know, like... Like, you know, like, so you've got to do your 10,000 hours. You know, you've got to know what you're doing. And I, um, yeah, anyway, so you know, all of yep. that to say, we're super grateful for the, for the quality of trainers that we've attracted. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a core, um, it's a core element of our business is having wonderful um, five-star trainers. So then I think that says, all right, so now, but now you're experimenting. You talked mm-hmm. about an app and mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, um, have we spoken informally, kind of shared with me, you have a much wider vision for what you want this to be so can yeah you? yeah absolutely so so you know long term Dave, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create like a one-stop lifestyle membership where you can have it's a it's a health and wellness membership right think of it this way you've got an, uh, a membership to amazon prime i'm sure yep okay and then when you access amazon you've effectively got access to all of these wonderful products and services which amazon um which Amazon facilitates in-house. And then you've also got access to a marketplace of third-party products and services, right? So what we want to do is we want to create, for lack of a better analogy, the Amazon of health and wellness, where you're going to have one simple mobile app that you can log in. It'll say, hello, Zeve, what can we do for you? And you can book workouts at your local park. You can book workouts at our gym facilities that we've got locally. You can order the online, you can order next level meals, right? (laughs) You can order, um, you can, you know, buy merchandise, you can buy anything relating to your health and wellness. It'll be like the health and wellness marketplace that everyone wants to be a part of. And then you'll also be able to book attendance at uh, social events. So we'll be doing, you know, social events at bars, social events out in public, social events at the beach. At my place. At your place, mate. That's it, bro. Well, you know, I think you can get into that one for free. But <laughs> it'll be yeah. literally on the app. You're like Zeeb's place. place. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, eventually, what we aim to do is we want to vertically integrate all these services and basically just have the Dominate app, where we're doing the Dominate branded workouts and the Dominate branded social events and the Dominate branded merch. But then, long term, I think it makes a lot of sense potentially to open the the app up to third parties. So, if you wanted to do Zeeb's house party, 
you know, people can have a, a membership and they can access your products and services through our app as well. So that's a much, much bigger vision that's many years away. But, you know, in the short term, Steve, what we're doing is we're opening physical gyms. We're actually going to open four wall gyms that our membership can have access to. We're going to be, okay. um, you know, we're already doing healthy meal deliveries. So that's something that our membership are about to gain access to through their membership. Um, I should say that our community are going to gain access to through their membership. And, um, you know, we're going to be doing social events. It's a really core component of our vision is, is gathering people, bringing them together in a positive context, right? It's not just about fitness. Fitness is an important part of our wellness, but there's more to your wellness, your overall wellness strategy than just fitness. Fitness is just one component. So if we can bring together people, make them laugh, you know, provide beautiful curated experiences led by community, you know, led by the trainers really, but the trainers yep. won't be, you know, they won't be training anyone in that, in those settings. Um, so yeah, we're really creating like a, a social club, Zeb. You can imagine sort of like Soho House meets WeWork meets Equinox, you know? So it's like this really cool <laughs> I, program. I was, I was actually a bit asked to ask you how you, um, if you could give me the sort of differentiation sure. both on technical and brand of Equinox. Although I will say Equinox, I just imagine those big black and white ads of like attractive people looking yeah. very serious yeah. and these kind of like posh facilities, but nobody really talks to each other, but they check each other out. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's, that's exactly it, mate. You know, I used to have this <laughs> funny tagline that no one really understood, but this is what I was getting at. I used to say we're the anti-fitness fitness club and people are like, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> and the whole thing was like, you know, right now in the fitness industry, you've got all these major brands who are, by the way, they're all wonderful and they have wonderful products and wonderful services. And I frequent their, their facilities. So they're doing a great job, but you know, their brand ethos is very sexy and it's very, it's very exclusive. It's very elitist. Mm. It's very, you know, they're all supermodels. They're all, no one's smiling. And it's like when you come to dominate and I'm sure you can see with our branding and our social media and everything, we're really leaning into, Hey, like we're all about super fit and super, you know, like we're the best at what we do, but at the same time, like we're here to have a good time and we're here to laugh and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. And like, yep. I mean, there's you know. dogs like just hanging out next to their owners. And yeah. which I, I mean, I'll say I, I just, I actually appreciate people, as you said, don't take themselves too seriously and just provide a light atmosphere. Yeah. Like you'll get, if you want to go a hardcore workout, you'll get that there, but you also can do it in a relaxing way. That's exactly right, mate. I think that's, you know, it really kind of goes back to my Aussie roots. You know, I think if you, if you meet you know, yep. the quintessential sort of Australian, it's very <laughs> laid back. Doesn't, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're just joking around the whole time. And, yep. you know, but, but, uh, you know, it's not to say that, um, you know, we're incompetent or anything. You know, I think Dominate is, is a really, it's, it's really, it's got a wonderful balance right now of the, from a brand perspective of being experts and world class when it comes to fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, but still at the same time having fun with it and, um, and you know, laughing all the way through. So I'm really happy with where the brand's at. Is the idea of opening physical gyms um, just as an adjunct to, like, do you, I, I, I see now the vision of it's, it's going to be more than any one offering. Yeah. Sort of the power is really into holisticness plus the social and, and sort of the ethos that you bring to it. But yep. what's the what's the sense behind um, opening an actual gym, sure. a physical gym? Sure. So if you look at fitness now, Zeev, you've got all these wonderful brands that have one type of workout, right? Or at least most of them have one type of workout. Yep. But if you look at the average consumer, you know, over their lifetime, over their lifetime, they're going to try how many 30, 40 different workouts. Like people, 
you know, people don't just want to do one workout for the rest of their life. People like to do, I mean, class pass is really the testament to, to yep. the modern, the modern fitness goer. You know, they want to do a, a soul cycle on Thursday morning. Then they're doing a Barry's boot camp Friday night. Then they're doing a lift with their friends at Muscle Beach on Saturday. And then they're hiking yep. on Sunday. And then that's you know, me, so, like, that's literally, I mean, you, you, as we're walking towards here, you saw me just wrapping up my kickboxing, kickboxing class. Yeah. 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 Which is great, mate. You know, I would encourage everybody to get out there and get variety into their routine. It keeps yep. it fresh. It keeps it interesting. Thing, you know, unless you're training for the Olympics and you want to specialize in one activity, <laughs> there's just no need to specialize. Life is more fun when you get to sample all the different, yep. you know, all the wonderful different things life has to offer. So um, with that said, mate, we want to create a membership where people can consolidate their spending into one membership, right? Instead of spending hundred bucks plus on, on all these different things every month and spending a fortune. People spend a fortune on their health and wellness. Money. It's really out of control, especially here in Los Angeles. Um, yep. So we're looking to consolidate Which is, which is actually, I guess, probably you're like, oh, good business opportunity. Yeah, it is, mate. You know, people spend so much on the organic delivery, grocery, you know, grocery delivery and then the berries and then the Equinox and then the kickboxing and then the, you know, and then not to mention the beauty services, the massage, the hot, yep. and, hot and cold therapy. Now we've got recovery and wellness is a whole new segment people are spending money on. So what's recovery? So you've got you've got all these wonderful and and then by the way, mate, I'm the biggest fan of these of these businesses. But they what they're doing is there's a wonderful business called Pause. There's Remedy Place. There's all these awesome businesses around Los Angeles where you can go in and pay for like a ultra uh, what do they call it infrared sauna and then you're yep. doing a cold plunge you know yep. in an ice bath and then maybe you're doing a meditation in the meditation studio and they've got you know stretch lab you'll go in and just get a stretch like it's so cool man there's so many wonderful businesses that are all built around people's health and wellness which is the future yep. and which i you know as much as people like to uh, make fun of Angelinos and this, you know, yeah, Erewhon yeah. type of crowd. <laughs> yeah, and I, I get it, I fully get it. But I'm like, wait, I am that person. Oh, mate, and you're preaching to the choir. I'm, you know, yeah. And I, I think oh. there's like, again, like, well, where do you want to spend your money on? And I mean, I was gonna say fancy cars, which people here do that as well. But yeah, I think it's awesome. Like, cool, invest in yourself, invest in feeling good, invest in your body. Yeah, uh, in, in multiple ways. Whether you're you're gonna do that work yourself or have yeah. a surgeon do that yeah, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no. it's um. I actually just think there's something really beautiful about it. Mate, I uh, I couldn't agree more, Zeev. Like, I'm the poster child. I'm the poster boy for, like, overspending on health and wellness. You know, as a triathlete, you know, prof- like, I was eating, you know, I mean, the most just such an expensive diet. You know, the, the, just the best foods, all organic, wild caught this, wild caught that. And then, you know, 8,000 calories a day. And then, you oh, know, shit. when my... When my career kicked off and I started, you know, trying to build all these companies, I was living in the back of a car, literally living, sleeping in my family's old SUV. Wow. And yet I still justified a $250 a month Equinox membership because I wasn't going to miss my workout. I spent four hours in the gym every day. It was a justified yeah. expense for and me. A better, like, <laughs> and, a, and a nicer place than probably. Oh, like exactly. SUV, yeah. That's yeah. where I showered and that's where yeah. I had my facility. So, you know, I trust me, I spend a huge, disproportionately, I spend a lot, a large chunk of my expendable income. Not that I've ever had it, <laughs> but I'll spend it, you know, on, on yeah. taking care of myself because I value my health and wellness, and I, it's a big, it's a big, um, it's a big pillar of one's happiness and one's, you know, um, lifestyle. So, you know, the whole idea is, mate, we're trying to create a membership where we can provide top-notch, you know, competitive services in all these different market segments, um, and I think at scale, that's really interesting and really exciting if you can tie together that brand experience across a wide spectrum of of, of products and services. Um, and we'll just take it one at a time. You know, we'll start with the workouts, then we'll open a gym, and then 
you know, the meals and then we'll do the massage and then we'll do the hot cold. And so um, I think we'll get there, uh, you know, with, with a lot of patience and a lot of passion and just focusing on the brand and focusing on, not the brand, focusing on the consumer, yep. focusing on the customers, um, listening, being very receptive to feedback. You know, the way we operate is much like a tech startup. We're very iterative. You know, we A-B test a lot. We move quickly. We're very agile. I think there's a wonderful opportunity to really create something impactful that people love and we're having fun. Thanks for listening in on the interview with Eddie Roche, the founder and what he styles himself as the chief dreamer of Dominate. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of View from the Middle.